Hi, I'm Ulysses, and this is Music, Meaning, and Mystery, a podcast for the other musicians. Today, you're going to listen to my conversation with Sue Terry about her new course called The Metaphysics of Music. Now, this course is very exciting. It will be a five-day intensive course that you can attend live in the Ecuadorian Andes. Topics will be uh, incredible. <laughs> there will be using your intuition as well as your knowledge. There will be the sound as energy, um, the function of musicians in society, music as a force of influence, and so many incredible other topics that you can learn from a master musician, uh, Sue Terry. The course is very reasonably priced. So I it's going to sell out because there are only 15 uh, spots available. So the information for this course are in the show notes. Uh, there will be Sue Terry's email and the website that gives you information about the course and uh, like a all the all how you can book your book your uh, class so if you're planning a vacation in august plan it in may because you get a discount on this already incredibly priced opportunity to learn from master musician sue terry about the metaphysics of music so information in the show notes check it out and now the conversation with sue terry Okay, so you have the esteem of being the first music meaning and mystery podcast guest to score a hat trick of appearances. <laughs> yeah, so this is appearance number three uh, for you, and uh, not enough as far as I'm concerned. Uh, oh, always, thank you. Yeah, I always love talking to you, and. Um, I wanted to uh, have a conversation with you about this course you've put together called the Met Metaphysics of Music. Um, first, I'm so glad that it exists. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's the first of its kind, but it's the only one I know in this uh, modern age of you know not that at all so uh much appreciated um what spurned you into putting this uh bold course together well this is actually something i've been researching this for so many years and and then i just started getting the idea you know i should teach a course on this i should share all of this stuff with um with people that are interested in you know what well what is metaphysics metaphysics is a study of reality right so we need to study the reality of music what's the nature or the nature of reality what's the nature of reality of music and you're right no one really talks about that they certainly don't talk about it in music school so as i as I got more and more deeply into studying these aspects of, of vibration and frequency 
and how uh, vibration and frequency from sounds and from music is translated into other ways that we can perceive them, like uh, the work of Hans Yeni, who uh, created a um, method of displaying vibrations in a medium like sand or water or something like that. Right. He got his ideas from Clodney, who was before him, who was experimenting with that same thing. So I just started getting more and more into it. And then I thought, I'm going to teach this. Um, and uh, actually, uh, the idea to teach it and, and thinking about how I would have a course like that and how would it work. So I made a basically a complete curriculum with modules and everything as if I were going to teach it at, at a university. And I thought that I might be able to teach it at a, a university near where I live. But what ended up happening is I sent the curriculum to my friend who is the founder of the Cuevas del Ilalo, which is this amazing international art center high atop a mountain in the Andes, overlooks mm. the city of Quito. Absolutely oh, amazing place. When, appropriate, yeah. Yeah, so he fell in love with this idea, and he said, look, we're going to make this happen. We're going to present it at the Cueva. So it's perfect because he already has events, international events where people come, and, and uh, they stay at the bottom of, of the mountain in a really nice hotel all you know great meals vegetarian if you want that and um and, and there's transportation up the mountain to take the course so that's in a nutshell how it started <laughs> mm -hmm. right so i wanted to take some of the because you have a website which will be linked to in the show notes and there's a video uh, that outlines um, some of what you said and, and some more there, uh, what the course is about. And you have topics included. And I'd like to kind of use that as a springboard to go deeper into um, what is uh, going to be included in the course. And uh, also just for my own enrichment. <laughs> Um, one of them being, uh, you've talked already about music as a type of energy, um, but you have here the function of music and musicians in society. Now, I've been thinking a lot about this particular thing. We, on the podcast, when in blog articles, I've talked a lot about like, you know, what music is, what does it do? What are its special properties? Um, but um i increasingly have found that that's just the beginning part what music is for becomes i think is really more important because human beings whatever we interact with anything it's our immediate experience is what is this thing for so a cup in in the, in our experience of it is a thing for drinking right a chair is a thing for sitting. So right. 
what what so is what's music? A musician? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's music for? You know, why, why do we even have music? And 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 uh, and and uh, exactly, what is a musician for? Well, you know, it's a deep question because in in tribal societies, everyone had a function. Even the little kid had a function. And so everyone knew, you know, let's take the Plains Indians. I like to talk about them because if you know what your role is in the society, you're, you got to go out and hunt or you got to clean the corn or you got to fetch uh, kindling for the fire or whatever it is that you, you have to do there's a set of chores that's associated and a set of responsibilities that's associated with that role. And they didn't have stuff like mental illness and stress-related disorders and um, post-traumatic, you know, stress disorder. I mean, all, all of these things, bulimia, anorexia, um and all the kinds of like the diagnostic and statistical manual keeps getting bigger every year because all of these uh disorders and syndromes and things are created and so that more drugs can be sold to treat them right so in tribal societies that didn't exist because everyone had everyone knew what they were there for everyone was there to do the thing that they were the, the set of responsibilities that they had and if we i think that's a great idea um that we don't have mm-hmm. in modern society mm-hmm. people grow up not knowing why they're here not knowing what their role is supposed to be and how they're contributing to the, their community. And so we end up with a lot of confused people, especially young people. So that can't be a good thing. So why why should we um, cultivate this idea of having a role? It's so that not only can we contribute more to society, but also our mental health, our spiritual health, and our physical health can also be better because we have a place. You know, place is, is really important. It's a, and that's kind of a metaphysical idea. You know, I don't mean like a place, a physical place. It's a place in the universe for you. So don't we all want to feel that we have a place in the universe? I think we do. So as a musician, we have to put some, not some, a lot, a lot of thought into what's our role. Mm -hmm. And I believe that musicians fulfill the role of a kind of shaman. And we don't really have shamans in modern society either so much it's a it's kind of a fringe thing but the, but what is a shaman a shaman is someone who 
can travel to another dimension, another kind of reality, find out information that pertains to you, come back and give you that information. So isn't that what we do when we play music? Ideally, we're trying to go to that other place where the magic part is. Mm-hmm. And there's always a duality. We There's always the just the basic quotidian daily existence that we have. You know, maybe if we're out like playing some kid's bar mitzvah, maybe we're not, you know, in the most elevated spiritual state. But we can get there. I've I, I've gotten to that state on bar mitzvahs. Come on. You know, it, it's possible to do. So there's a lot of, I think, to, to, to cultivate that ability as a musician we're talking now to cultivate that ability to go to these other dimensions for lack of a better word because i think when we're really in the zone of playing music we are in another dimension we're not we're not in the daily world anymore and then that's kind of the addiction of music right so we always want to keep getting to that place and sometimes days go by and we don't get there but that doesn't mean we stop practicing because we have to be in shape for when we do get there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is part of the part of our role. I think we're we're kind of modern day shamans, and this is why we have a big responsibility to our community, and our, our community is, you know, the people that we is that we interact with them. Mm-hmm. I think that musicians need now in order and we can even look at that in a marketing you know musicians are always complaining about they can't uh, it's so hard to get a gig you know 25 times <laughs> When you do get a gig, you're, it's your responsibility to promote your own gig. That you know, when did that start happening? That's fairly recent, you know. Hmm. First day, someone told me, "Well, do you have a press kit?" I was like, "A press kit? What's that? Play <laughs> press kit?" But yeah. now it's all about. It's all about that now. It's all about the marketing. So because it's become so commercialized, what we do, you know, it's not even sacred anymore to, you know, that's why we're trying to keep looking for the sacred part because that's what attracted us in the first place was this magical thing about music. Hmm. So we have to go back to that feeling. We have to remember why in the first place we wanted to play music. Mm-hmm. And then we have to say, all right, now we're out here in a marketplace. We didn't really want to be in a marketplace, but we we got in it because there's no more sacred element. And so we're just entertainers. 
mm-hmm. basically to the world. And so now, how are we going to attract the attention of the people who we know there we know we have our listeners we know we have people that will love what we are offering but where are they how do we reach them it's so hard Hmm. and that that's why we have to keep honing our craft because we're competing with ai we're competing with child prodigies we're competing with international uh performers the internet all kinds of entertainment sports what have you there's just you know it's not like in the old days when the battle of the bands in a in a little town in a little village that was the the huge entertainment of the next six months people were going to be talking about that Hmm. so it's not like that anymore so uh, there, there's just so much stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So that this course is about um, not only strengthening the abilities of musicians, because I want musicians to sign up for it, but but it can also be for people who are just so passionate about music, and maybe they don't play an instrument. That's okay, mm-hmm. but they want to know more about it. Because I've known musicians, uh, I've known uh, people, and I'm sure you have too, Ulysses, that they're not musicians, but they just love music. Maybe they love music more than musicians do. Yeah. yeah. Right, because they can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's a lot going on in there. I have some thoughts. Um, It sounds to me like there's a vision for the function of musicians uh, a sort of like here's what it could be and or here's how it ought to be or um here's how we can be inspired f- from our ancestors in a way that that they did musicians and then there's another thing of here's the immediate concern of of what a, of the function of a musician should be, which is um, we've forgotten something. So the function of a musician should be to remember what a musician is. So which would hopefully lead to a more beautiful world where musicians know who they are. <laughs> Exactly, because if they know who they are, then when you listen to them, you know who you are. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's like a recognition of home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I've been thinking a, a lot for a long time. Uh, the what I used to think was context appropriate music. So, um, what's that? Yeah, so <laughs> so the 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 reason it's so uh, David Byrne wrote a book called How Music Works. I don't know if you read it. Um, no, I haven't read that. It's he's got some interesting theories, but there's a limit to how far he can go with them. But he's got this idea that the reason that 
say Gregorian chant sounds the way it does, it's because of the place it was sung. So, so the the architecture of a church does not lend itself to anything that's like percussive, really, right? It's it's better if it you have sustained notes that bounce back uh, rather than a lot of different notes because the notes bounce back and there could be like dissonance. You, you know what I mean? Like of the next note, the first note could bounce back on the second note if you're not careful, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, whereas this that wouldn't work in a place like the CBGB or something like that, right? So it, it got me thinking about there's music for certain things. Um, there is a guy I talked to, uh, he's a, a Hugan, is a, so he's a voodoo priest. And in his tradition, certain songs are meant for certain things. So there's a song for when your grandmother dies, and there's a song for when you celebrate a certain spirit, and there's a song for this and for that. And so in the same way that you wouldn't, it's kind of weird to play Iron Maiden if you have your uncle and his wife over for dinner, right? You need, <laughs> you know, so, but really what that is, is a, is a hint that music is meant to be in service of something, right? That, so the music the music isn't necessarily the main attraction uh, of, of a musical performance. It's meant to be for something, just like a musician is meant to be for a certain purpose. Totally. And yeah. th that's what it is with the Indian music. The ragas are designed to be played at a certain time, at a certain season, for a certain occasion. You know, there's some ragas that can only be played in the morning. Some can only be played in the evening. Some can only be played for this function, that function. Hmm. Yeah. And I often wonder, and, you know, there, there's a separation there. That you still have a separation between sacred music and secular music. And it's like, we don't have that anymore. You know, because even the worship musicians, they're out there hustling like everybody else. Right hustling in the marketplace mm -hmm. so that there there really is no separation in the west that that's exclusively um a kind of asian idea mm -hmm. that uh i always wonder you know if i was born in india what my life would as a musician would have been like mm -hmm. it would have been super different maybe uh the traditional churches uh have preserved some of that um at their liturgical services um but while yeah. you're there while, while you're, you're there. there while you're there yeah 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 and and you know the the thing about gregorian chant um belonging to the church is interesting though because gregorian chant was actually based on chants from byzantium and and persia so mm. and and i'm i want to do some research into that i don't know how much i'll be able to find mm. but 
you know, these um, modal approaches to music certainly aren't only the bailiwick of the church. Mm-hmm. You know, we hear them elsewhere. Sure. And, uh, but the power of it, I mean, I, I like to listen to them myself when I want to just calm down. I was even thinking of making a recording, a Shakuhachi recording hmm. of Gregorian chants. That'd be cool, yeah. Yeah, that would be really cool. I started transcribing some of them. Hmm. But um, there was a an audio researcher named Alfred Tomatis, Dr. Tomatis, I don't know, like 100 years ago or something. And he was asked to, he was asked to be a consultant to one of the Benedictine churches who had a new director and the new director had come in and he thought that the monks spending six hours a day chanting Gregorian chants was a waste of time. So he's like, oh, come on, we can do better. So he canceled all the chanting. Oh, wow. And all the, and yeah, and like, I think it was 70 out of the 95 monks got sick, really sick. And he, so he was consulted to come in and say, you know, what's wrong with them? And uh, he reinstituted the chanting. And so guess what happened? <laughs> they all got better, they right? They all got better, yeah. Yeah. So there's a a power there that has a lot of aspects. You know, mm-hmm. we have the aspect of actually tone at toning. This is like toning. Toning is kind of a Western version of um chanting a mantra or something like that okay yeah so this is all it's all of a piece you know it's just called by different things wherever you are mm-hmm. so you've got this vocalizing element where you're you're creating a, a vibration that's resonated in in your uh resonant cavities and that you're expressing to the outside world you're making an exchange there then you have also an aspect that doesn't even need anything to be vocalized because it has a an essence that is still there whether it's silent or whether it's heard hmm. and that's the thing with prayer because they say prayer prayer isn't the words of the prayer Prayer is the feeling of the prayer. Prayer is like a state of being. Mm. So the music should be that way too. The music is not a a collection of notes that we're um, reading off like a AI um, trumpet player. (laughs) Mm. It's a state of being. 
Mm-hmm. So a, a, a real musician, I think your goal is that state of being. Mm. Okay. So that's mm. a kind of an extra thing that isn't talked about. Yeah. And um, it's certainly not taught. So this is the kind of thing I want to go into. Mm-hmm. Not only the the physical properties of sound and and studying that and seeing how that all works, but also the spiritual aspect, which is the other side of what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah, really excited, really excited to to be able to teach this. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'm going to be learning too. I, you know, I'm not I'm not teaching it because I consider myself the world expert on right. this. I want to learn more about it too. Right. So, right. so I have to teach it. Yeah. So I can create that opportunity for everyone to to learn. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's so vast. Uh, how could you stop learning about it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I want to ask about um, music as a political force. On this podcast, I've uh, at most flirted with this thing, even though it's obviously a thing that exists in music. Uh, During the lockdowns and the the uh, here in Canada, the convoy of truckers, the, that was a big protest there. And um, it struck me all of a sudden how that was a musical event um, because the, the there were horns blaring as a judgment against the government's um, actions. And in the tarot, the judgment card, it's horns blaring. And uh, the further in that pattern is uh, the walls of Jericho are brought down by horns, right? So, I mean, the everyday experience of linear time is not as dramatic as a story or a single image on a tarot card. But looking back, if you expand your perspective on time, uh, you could see how this would be like one of those events, right? We'll see. <laughs> but uh, music, that's like kind of like the, the more esoteric end of music as a political force. But obviously, uh, there's we, you can understand this in more like kind of granular ways, like uh, protest songs and uh, how you know and and pro- protest musicians you know Woody Guthrie or you know has the famous this guitar kills fascists you know thing so music as a political force um, that's that's as much as I'm feel confident talking about but um, let's. Let I'll pass the puck over to you, and you tell me about music as a political force. Okay, yeah, well, let, let's dive into that a little bit. Okay. So, 
because that's very germane to the musician's life today. Okay. So music has the, the documented empirical ability to bring together large masses of people. Right. We've seen that over and over again. Right? So what happens is that music, rather than say music as a political force, maybe we should say music uh, is appropriated as a political force. Right. So it's used to manipulate people. Mm -hmm. Whether the goal of that manipulation is seen to be a maleficent or beneficent goal, I mean, who's the judge of that? Right. But uh, even the and and how does it do that? And and this is a really mystical thing. Mm -hmm. Because not only do we have the aspects of music that are readily understandable to everyone in daily life, uh, the repetition of it, um, the, uh, the, you know, it's called the hook, right? The chorus of a song or the, the hook of a song. Why is it called the hook? Because it grabs you, you know? Mm -hmm. And this is also kind of an kind of an echo of the muse. Was it the muse Terpsichore or was it a different muse who had the hook? No, Thalia, the, the Greek muse Thalia, she had a hook, uh, like a crooked uh, staff. Mm. And this is why in vaudeville, they would bring right. it. <laughs> if you sucked, right, yeah. you got the hook. <laughs> you were hauled off you know it's like Thalia didn't like you right okay right? so um we have the ability to coalesce large masses of people with the repetitions of music and the catchy melodies and and the rhythm Rhythm is super important. Mm -hmm. that's, that's why they have drum circles, which I hate to play with a drum circle because <laughs> it's all about it's all about you know bang bang and it's usually not sensitive at all. Right. Okay. But people, but that's why people go to it. It's it's this kind of entrainment thing, and this is the metaphysical aspect that we have to talk about because. Uh, it's very shishi now to talk about brain waves and um, you know hacking your brain waves and doing the binaural beats and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But that's a real thing. And there's people doing it to us. Right. So we have to understand what, what's going on. Hmm. Um, John Lilly, the guy that talked to dolphins, mm -hmm. uh, if you remember Dr. John Lilly, they made a, a movie about him called Altered States. It was like loosely based on his 
Yes. Live, right. The, about but, the sensory deprivation chambers. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he worked for the Navy. He worked, uh, or, yeah, he worked for the Navy. He worked for um, the National Institute of Health. You know, he worked for the government. Right. And uh, he was teaching dolphin communication and all this stuff. He invented a wave. It's known, it's known as the lily wave. Hmm. He invented this wave that has a uh, the ability to entrain the brain without damaging the neurons. So he was using this on the dolphins, but then he saw that they were, he didn't like the way the government wanted him to go, the direction that they wanted him to go with. He thought it was kind of abusing the dolphins and he loved the dolphins. Hmm. So he left that field and he continued independent research. Now this wave called the Lily wave, he was visiting a friend of his, also a uh, uh, researcher in frequencies. This guy's name is Adam Trombley. So he's over Adam Trombley's house and uh, he wakes up and Adam has already turned on some equipment in his laboratory. And John Lilly looks at one of the screens and he's like, where'd you get that? There's this, like a, a wave that's going across the screen. And Adam Trombley says, oh, I picked it up from the television. Oh. It's broadcasted over the television. Hmm. I mean, this isn't like by channel. This is the, t the television. The set, the set itself. Does, yeah. Hmm. It has this wave. Right. And John Lilly goes, well, that's my wave. I invented oh. that wave. Oh. But to use with the dolphins. And somehow, you know, government, the powers that be, right? Because if you got to control communications to right. control people, right? That the Nazis knew that. Mm -hmm. Albert Speer built a, an auditorium, especially with certain acoustical properties that would entrain people into alpha waves so that they would sit there and listen to Hitler's boring speech. Be more influenceable. Yeah. And so basically when you watch TV, this, this is why it's called the idiot tube and whatever. But this is why you sit there kind of mindlessly in front of the TV because it's yeah. broadcasting this wave to capture your attention and to relax you. Mm -hmm. and when so you're it's yeah. In it's a, a relaxed state. Thing. Yeah. In a relaxed state, you're more suggest uh, prone to suggestion. And um, it's one of the, if you look at the FBI cult checklist, um, it, one of the things they say is uh, do they use, um, you know, techniques of en entrainment? And, and and if you don't know what those techniques are, and if you don't know you're being entrained, mm -hmm. you know, I like to say, uh, you didn't think the Manchurian candidate was fiction, did you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, this, this is all stuff. The KGB, the CIA, they've been working on this for, you know, 70 years already. Come on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's all out there.
if you go into a department store, you're being entrained. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you're not. It's not just the music, the music on the system, but there's also a subliminal audio track there that says, "Don't shoplift." Mm -hmm. Hmm. So we're receiving all of these suggestions and it can get much more insidious than that mm -hmm. can, can you imagine i've seen videos of this can you imagine the cia going into some territory where they want to subdue people and mm -hmm. just blasting their brain waves mm -hmm. with the frequencies that are going to achieve the goal that they want yeah so we have to we have to understand that these technologies have become very very sophisticated Mm -hmm. And this is another thing that I want to cover in the metaphysics of music course, because it's it's super important politi politically. You know, we're talking about music as a political force. Well, there it is right there. Mm -hmm. Frequencies being used to control our minds without mm -hmm. us knowing. Yeah. And that is technically political, as in uh, political, as in the uh, related to the governing of people mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah so this, exactly yeah I, I understand what you mean yeah because sorry go ahead well when i hear that it sounds like spiritual warfare uh but it's it's political because the malevolent people who are malevolent in this um are not are not using it to to uh, elevate anyone's spirit. They're using it to subjugate people. Right. Yeah. I right. understand what you mean. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have that aspect of um, political power of frequencies. It's not political, as in. Uh, them damn Democrats are doing this. It's, it's oh no no totally totally <laughs> no, no beyond that. Yeah, you're a, a several levels beyond that sort of shallow thinking. Yeah. Oh yeah, that didn't even occur to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, before they had those technologies, then what did they have? They only had the songs, mm -hmm. so they used the songs. Right. You know, George George M. Cohan, who's who was the composer of Over There and you know, all those patriotic songs that um were sung in the in the in the twenties, right? Or in the I mean during the um first world war. So uh those songs were used to, you know, rally the troops. And to rally patriotism amongst people, mm -hmm. even today, if you go in into a uh, before a sports game or something, and they sing the national anthem, yeah, and you have a feeling, mm -hmm. you know that that you're, you're the national anthem of your country creates a feeling in you, mm -hmm. even if you think patriotism is total BS, mm -hmm. you're still going to have that feeling. So, why? Right. Mm -hmm. Because you're being entrained yeah. in some in one way or another. Mm -hmm. And again, it goes back to uh, what 
music is music is always for something <laughs> there's no music that is uh uh that stands on its own it's for something uh, identifying what it is is confusing because we have so many uh, purposes uh, uh, you know um, and people are uh, operating across purposes right we're such an atomized world you know uh, that it's, it's difficult to know what the music is for especially if like the the for something is is actively being you know obfuscated <laughs> right uh, yeah hmm. and well, it that... could be good things too mm -hmm. uh, you know but um it takes some perception to realize when you're being controlled mm -hmm. oh yeah you know yeah. i mean do, do i like this song just because i like this song or am i being told to like this song and that's creepy when you think about it. Oh, yeah. Hmm. People talk nowadays about thoughts coming into their head that aren't theirs. Hmm. You know, a thought comes into your head and you're like, why, why am I thinking that? I would never do that. Hmm. These could be implanted thoughts. Yeah. Easily. So. There's a, a passage in Tolkien. I, I love Tolkien, and it's Tolkien is actually very timely. Um, and I read uh, there's a there's a passage that goes um, they're in a they're in a war and they're under siege, and um, the uh, everyone's starting to get demoralized. And I believe it's Gandalf that says uh, that warns against that because the enemy uh, has a weapon much greater than uh, uh, hunger or or fear and that weapon is despair right <laughs> so right. if you if you don't know what's happening to you and it is happening to you then um, it's easy to think that there's nothing you can do about it. Right. That's an important point because you could be motivated by hunger. You know, if you're hungry, you're going to try to find some food. Mm -hmm. If you're, if you're afraid of something, you're going to try to um, uh, fight it or find a way to get away from it. Mm -hmm. So you're motivated to do that. But if you're just in despair, like you say, you, you have no motivation mm -hmm. for anything. And then that's that's when they've got you. Well, you've got a topic here that's called the enemies of music. I'm assuming uh, that's you've sort of touched on that. But uh, is there more to it than than what we've already discussed? Well, the biggest enemy. uh so let's talk about musicians for a second. Who's our biggest enemy? We are. Hmm. <laughs> um, we don't understand the power that we wield, so we give it away. Our ignorance, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
we continue to operate under working conditions that were dictated by other people who aren't musicians. Mm -hmm. We create all these uh, conditions for our for ourselves because we don't think about it. Mm. And I understand that because we just want to focus on music. Right. So we just say, oh, well, that's just the way it is. But the same way that we've been forced into doing our own advertising, our own promotion, our own flyers, our own marketing, our own outreach, our own <laughs> recording, you know, we, we're doing everything ourselves over here now. Mm. You know, you try to make a video with somebody like uh, do like um, one of those side by side. Video. That takes a friggin long time. And you try to sync up the video and the audio and you, you know. <laughs> oh man. And during the pandemic, we were all doing that and we were spending hours and hours doing it, unpaid hours. Right. So there's just a lot on 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 our plates now. And so I understand when people say, uh, I just want to think about the music, that's it. I don't want to do this, this other thing. Mm-hmm. You know, even just, uh, I, I know a great musician I was talking to the other day, and he said, you know, I, I just can't. I, I told him he should write a sub stack because he's a great writer. And, and he's like, I can't deal with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, I can barely write an email. Mm. And I understand that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Did I answer so, your question? I'm not really sure. Well, the enemies of music, I mean, it's... Yeah, so ourselves, we're, yeah, we're creating these uh, conditions because we're just accepting. Yes, exactly. It's this, and I've been harping on this thing ever since this blog and podcast um it has to start with us accepting who we are and how much what well, um not how much power but the the quality of the power that mm-hmm. we have and it's a difficult thing because when you when you really wrestle with the repercussions of that um most of us are going to find that we're not where we're supposed to be and that's like tough that's tough man <laughs> that's and, and, uh, and then sometimes we're really not clear about where we're supposed to be like who says we're supposed to be somewhere we get those ideas from outside Mm. a lot of times and we internalize them and i think a lot of times we shouldn't be doing that Mm -hmm. time time is a big enemy Mm -hmm. and not only uh time in a linear sense in a daily sense of you know trying to find time to practice and find time to do all these different aspects of our career whatever in addition to other responsibilities that we have with 
our partners and our uh, children and our pets and our properties and our jobs and whatever it is. So not only time in that sense, but also um, kind of cosmic time hmm. and, and epochs ah. and the zeitgeist. Right. So there's these big chunks of time that we're we're just kind of floating around in mm. and we're somewhat subject to those laws right. that are being created by those big blocks of energy mm-hmm. just because we happen to be existing uh during them mm-hmm. or in the midst of them so that's another one that comes to mind well here's a big question and I want the truth. <laughs> Are you hopeful? Yeah. I've expected you to answer that because why else would you be doing this course? Yeah, I'm not I'm not in despair. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm really I'm not even afraid. Tell me more about that. I'm a little hungry though. so um i just have this idea and this feeling and that's kind of backed up by conversations with that i have with colleagues and um videos and music that I see people putting out that's very, very metaphysical. Hmm. Things that are, you know, I'm not the only one out here. There's a lot of people, a lot of musicians are exploring the metaphysics of music now, and maybe they don't call it that. Mm -hmm. But I think that's what they're doing. And there's a lot of interest in sound and in in alternate tunings. You know, if you go on the internet, you see this stuff about 528 hertz is the magic solfeggio number. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, 432 hertz is the, you know, instead of A440, they want you to tune to A432. And that's the magic, you know nature frequency that we should have been tuned to and it is true the a that's used today Mm -hmm. we say a440 but actually a lot of orchestras are tuning to a442 if you go to europe don't be surprised to hear a4444 it's such a pain you know you got a clarinet i mean it's not going to go in anymore you know you can't make it any shorter to match that pitch so people have to buy new barrels that are shorter you know i my barrel used to be like this now it's like this right Mm -hmm. just in the past 40 years that i've been playing the clarinet 50 years Mm -hmm. so um yes the a was closer to 432 in 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 box time let's say 
yes, the pitch is is rising, you know, but are the frogs and the crickets and the birds chirping to A432? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Right. So there's a lot of crazy stuff that you see too. I always say you can educate yourself on the internet, but only if you're already educated. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but things are moving is what you're, I'm hearing. Things, there's interest in this, yeah. yeah people a, are a poking people around, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's like uh, when you're taking these first steps, maybe as a kind of, as a tribe of musicians, you know, we're going to go in different directions and um, we're not all going to know what we're going to find, but I get what you mean. There's some, we're, we're, uh, oh, what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, when you're in the dark and your hand, you're with your hands, you keep going like this because, you know, that's kind of how it feels. And finally you find that light switch, especially in a place you're unfamiliar with. And then like everything comes, comes, becomes clear. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, ultimately uh, I believe that too. And I think we have to be hopeful. We, in the sense that we have to be, um, that, I, that may be what faith is, you know, if you, there's reason to hope if you're hoping, if you despair, then there is no reason to hope. Right. Because it's a kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, and and this is another responsibility that we have to assume as not just as musicians, as human beings, we have to um, understand ourselves to the degree that we know the dark part of ourselves the light part of ourselves we have to know everything mm. and and this is an ancient um, axiom that's been repeated over the centuries know thyself so if we know ourselves then we know when outside influences are coming in to try to change right. us right so if you're a musician then you have to apply that principle to your role of being a musician and you you've just got to go deeper that's all i can say we we have to go much deeper hmm. it's yeah. not just about uh melody and harmony and rhythm and dynamics and um repetition and uh retrograde inversion and um e flat 13 flat nine you know, we got to go beyond all of that yeah it feels like it's time and i'm I'm so glad you're putting out that invitation i have no doubt it will be uh answered and um you know when, when you do put get this done um you know update us how it went obviously i'm in canada i won't be able to go to Ecuador, but I have uh, some friends who are from from Ecuador in Quito. Uh, oh, cool. So I definitely shared that with them. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure so, it will work out. I'm going to be teaching it in English. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I mean, unless, you know, 15 Ecuadorians sign up tomorrow. Okay. You're going <laughs> to have to do some learning. <laughs> but um, we want uh, to attract an international audience. Right. Uh, yeah, so we're, that, yeah. Yeah, in, in, in a few weeks, we're going to be putting this out to our European audience. So, uh, you know, English being kind of a, a common language. Yeah. amongst uh, many nations so mm -hmm. exciting exciting anything that uh you wish i would have asked you about that i didn't or anything i forgot or uh where's my course yes let's see so We'll just can I can I kind of run down some of the topics, please, just yeah. as a list. Yes. Okay. So you were asking about the functions of music and societies. So under that uh, module, I have basic entertainment, dance. Um, popular entertainment for the masses, um, sacred and religious music, meditative music. And that's a really big thing now. Mm -hmm. You know, music for med specifically for meditation, sounds for meditation. Health and healing. That's a topic we could talk about for a week straight, sure, 24 yeah. hours a day, about mm -hmm. how frequencies have been used for healing. And there's some really interesting modalities coming out now um that are are dealing with that and using that as uh and and it's working for people that's why there's more and more companies coming out with these kind of modalities um then we have of course artistic artistic function there is an artistic function in society we do have that even though it doesn't seem like it sometimes hmm. but we do have it um do have people who are seeking that out specifically um background music so that's a very controlling thing the music that's being played in the elevator the music that's being played in the dentist's office um commercial music how is the music being used in uh in a commercial how's it being used as a soundtrack to a film hmm. how's it being used in a tv show the, you know the, the theme the theme to a tv show that plays mm. every week that's this those aren't accidents those are specifically chosen for for these purposes mm -hmm. um then you have this kind of fetish aspect of music that's coming out now like as a as a ringtones or as nfts mm. this is kind of a fetishistic way of it's like a primitive thing right that people are taking sounds and molding them into these little fetish objects like this ringtone on your cell phone you know mm. um that's so that's uh, the first three modules of my course now mm. obviously and i have a total of 15 modules right. so we and, start and it's we, over five days we start with that. Yeah, but 
because I developed this as basically a semester's course. Right. So what I'm doing is condensing um, information in so that we can fit it into a five-day course. And we also have a, an afternoon with Mauricio Vicencio, who's an um, amazing musician and shaman. Mm. He's from Chile. He has Excellent. a group called Altiplano. And oh. he's going to be talking to the group about the functions of music in shamanic ritual, which is super fascinating. If you've ever been uh, in any ayahuasca ceremonies or anything, just to see, to hear, and to feel how important the music that's presented by the shaman. And usually it's them singing, playing guitars, and playing flutes, things like that. It totally controls the it manages the energy in the room mm -hmm. yeah i've heard of it the the ikaros yeah the ikaros are they're they're really amazing and you feel when they're playing you feel like they're saving your life and maybe they are mm. um we have a, a section where i'm going to be talking about the different tuning systems mm. and that's something that not only our, our music lovers who, who don't play, but also a lot of musicians have no idea about different tuning systems. And they just assume this equal temperament system that we use today is, is it. Mm -hmm. And it's not it at all. It's very far from it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a way that was created to manage all the to manage the way um, the uh, playing of music and the listening to, to music kept expanding and expanding over big swaths of people and genres and um, commercial applications. Mm. Um, so that's a that's a whole thing right there but equal temperament is it's just a, a system that was adopted so that more musicians could play together right yeah but in the old days you know when when you see and and we still still obviously play this music if you see you know handle sonata in f you know concerto in b flat why why did they put the key no one does that now hmm they had to do it then because the song could only be played in that key hmm. because that, that that's how the composer lined up the instruments because the right. instruments weren't they weren't equal tempered right they were playing you know according to the natural overtone series so they could only play the clarinet had to be playing here and the french horn had to be playing here and the flute here and that's how the whole thing meshed together. If you take that sonata in F and you you transpose it like they do today, oh, the singer wants to do it in F sharp. Oh, okay. Bring it up a half step. You couldn't do that. It would be so out of tune. Hmm. It's it, it, it wouldn't work. So that's why the key had to be part of the title of the piece. And a lot of people don't. Have a yeah, clue about. So I, they, did, I didn't know for sure. 
yeah, it's it's heavy, you know, when you when you start looking at the tuning systems and yeah, and then how you know, pretty much every culture divides um music into octaves. Right. So you have the 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 higher version of the note, the lower version of the note, but you know what you can hear, it's the same note. Mm -hmm. But we divide different cultures divide that octave. Right, right. In we have the same way. beginning and end points, have same alpha and omega, but all everything in between is an infinite infinity that can be subdivided an infinite number of ways. <laughs> right. So so imagine if you if you're a young musician and you've only dealt with equal temperament your whole life, and now you get introduced to these other notes. I mean, mm -hmm. that would be like being an artist and then discovering colors that you never knew existed. Yeah, yeah. You would be, you would immediately want to go out and start playing with those colors. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's, you know, one of my goals in in the course is to take people out of the loop. Right. Because loops are closed. Mm -hmm. you're not going to go anywhere in a loop you you have to we have to make those loops that we get into and we just fall into them it, it happens mm -hmm. we have to take those loops and make them into spirals so that we can go out mm -hmm. and i have a lot of specific techniques that that i train to do that mm -hmm. so th this is another thing that i want to offer people mm -hmm. It's uh, it's wonderful and it's generous and very exciting. Yeah, it's uh, um, so that's uh, in August, August seventh. Yeah, so we start the seventh, but people will have to be there the night before. I mean, this is to Ecuador, right? It's not you know Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get your get yourself over to the Andes, and. Uh, you know, get yourself locked in that, uh, set up in that hotel mm -hmm. before the course starts. Cause we start eight in the morning, you know, you got breakfast at the hotel and then we're going to take you up to the mountain and we're going to start. So really this, the sixth is kind of the last day for people to get there. And then we go for, for that whole week. So we end on the 11th, we have a final concert and, um, we give out certificates of participation and stuff like that well this uh, i've often dreamed of the existence of this course really so, yes so for me the the fact that it's the it exists it is a dream come true and for real when i got your email and i, I read the email and i started looking at the course i i started crying it was such, I was so happy that this is happening. It's a real thing that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so cool. I'm so glad. Yeah. Wow. That's so encouraging. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was really great conversation. Um, we'll end it there if that's okay with you. Um, off the record, I got a couple of questions. Okay. Uh, for, for you and uh but um yeah thanks a lot for this third appearance and uh i'm gonna keep an eye on this on this project and i, I want to know all about how it's going and everything so 
Yeah, great. Good job. I knew this was going to be right up your alley. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> okay. So we'll put the link uh, to the video and the and the website. Everything, in your yeah. Fantastic. And uh, oh yeah, I'll make sure it's prominently displayed, and uh, we're gonna send as many. I've already been talking to people I know about it, so um, yeah, we're gonna do our best to to uh, promulgate this thing. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, perfect. Change the world. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs>